Good day, fellas. Welcome to Uncensored Advice for Men. My name is Josh. I'm your host. Guys, what I'm finding is uh, a lot of stories, a lot of men, a lot of guys who have gone through a lot of stuff and they have a story to share. They have some advice to give. And uh, this is a place where you could give uncensored advice, right? So this isn't filtered. This isn't held back. You're going to have guys and, and gals that come on the show that share advice to men. So if you need advice, you could head on over to uncensoredadviceformen.com. But also, if you have some advice to give, if you learn something the hard way, right? I've had to learn a lot of my lessons the hard way. And uh, if, you've, if you've gone through a major life challenge and you've learned something from it and you want to share some advice with other men, this is the place to do it. Head on over to uncensoredadviceformen.com, fill out a quick form, and let's have a chat. So my name's Josh. Let's get ready to rock and roll. On today's conversation, this interview is with a friend of mine. Uh, his name's JT, John Thomas Patton. What a strong name. This guy is a general in the making. And uh, we're going to have a conversation, hear a story, and um, talk about some restoration stuff. So. JT, welcome to the show. Hey, Josh, thanks so much for having me today. It's, it's, it's really nice to be on here and, and get an opportunity to share with you, man. I love what you're doing. Yeah, thanks, man. So give us some background, right? So we, we've got some uh, a little bit of a tough story to, to share and some of the things that you've learned along the way. Um, why don't you uh, kick us off and, and tell us what, uh, what you went through? Yeah, you know, I'll just kick it off from the beginning. You know, I we all have things that we struggle through in our lives. Uh, for me, you know, I, I grew up in, in a home with, with two very young parents. Uh, my, my mom was 18. My dad was 19 um, when they had me. And I saw the first five years of my life, I saw a lot of violence. Um, you know, my dad came from an abusive home. My mom um, doesn't really share a whole lot of her story, but I, I know a lot of my dads. And so you know, I, I watched, uh, I watched a lot of violence in my home. I was thinking about it this morning, you know, as I was thinking about coming on here. And one of the things I, I, that really stands out is I remember being like three years old and the gurney leaving the house, you know, the ambulance loading my dad into the ambulance. Cause he had, he had had another overdose. So we dealt with, you know, addiction, we dealt with physical violence. Um, you know, my dad even admitted to me this summer as, as we shared time together, um, with my new family, uh, that he had, he had struck me as well. And, and it's something that it's something that really just, you know, he, to watch him break, um, really gave me a new, a new appreciation because my dad now is clean and sober for, you know, 40 years, you know, he's a retired doctor. I mean, like you talk about a life change, but to watch him share that and, and how it has really affected him over years was, um, it was really, I mean, it just woke me up, woke me up to my relationship with my new son um, and, 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 and just made a, a huge difference for me. And, you know, so I watched that. I remember cleaning the blood off my mom's face when I was five. Um, you know, that's, that's, those are the things that I remember. And my mom and I packed up and left. I think I was five and a half or six. And we left the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area. We moved down to San Diego. My mom went from one military community down to another military community. Um, and, you know, my mom was still young. I mean, she was 24 years old, 23 years old, and still wanting to go out and party and have fun. And, 
And, and so I got left in a lot of bad places. I got left with people that I, I shouldn't have been left with. And then I dealt with sexual abuse from the time I was six to the time I was eight. Um, during that time, not only was I being abused, but a mem member of the family had, had begun uh, to share pornography with me. And, uh, and, and that's something I look back today has impacted me almost more than anything else in my life. Um, the physical violence, you know, I, was easier to get over. Um, but that is still, it still shapes sometimes my views on sex and sexuality um, because of that early exposure. And, and I think we just have to be so careful as men to what we're exposing our families to, what we're exposing ourselves to and our children to. Wow. Holy moly. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a tough start to, to go. So we fast forward a little bit and you, you, you meet a beautiful lady, you guys tie the knot, you get into a marriage how, how does, uh, how does baggage and, you know, past experiences, how does that show up in a marriage? Yeah, it's really interesting. I, uh, I got, <laughs> I missed a large part of that. You know, I ended up following in my dad's footsteps, my mom's footsteps, um, and, and became an alcoholic and I got sober at 35 and really it was through God's grace. Um, I knew I was done. I was, I was sitting in my living room on a, on a Saturday night. And at that point I was drinking a half gallon to a gallon of vodka at night, just trying to, just trying to get rid of all the demons from the past and, and trying to make all those thoughts in my head go away. And that's, that's what I turned to was alcohol. I didn't know the Lord. I didn't grow up in a Christian family. Uh, I had no, I knew there was a God, Josh. I just didn't know what that looked like. And, and, you know, I grew up in Southern California, the heart of, you know, the Jesus movement and no one had ever shared the gospel with me. And so I'm here, I'm at 35. I, I you know, I, I'm desperate. I know that I don't want to drink another day, but I don't know any other way to, to do, to do life. And so I remember putting in a, a gun in my mouth and asking God to help me take my life. And, and that's exactly what God did in that moment. It's the first honest prayer I've ever said in my life. You know, we all say those prayers, oh, you get me out of this and I'll do this. And, you know, we bargain with God a lot. Yeah. This was no bargain. It was, you know, please help me take my life. Wow. And, and God stepped in and he took that life away from me. And it took, it took exploration. It took two years of exploration, you know, first two years of sobriety to find out that the God of the Bible was the God that I needed in my life. The God that ministered to prostitutes and beggars and thieves and, and said, hey, it's, it's, it's okay. You can leave your sin in the past and you, you are a new creation in me. And I needed that. And, and so through that, I, I began to explore churches. Um, I was, I was a personal trainer at the time. So one of my clients said, Hey, we have this gal we want to introduce you to. And, uh, and her husband was my, my wife's mentor. Um, you know, so I, I come from this addictive background and then my wife comes from a background where, you know, her mother was a paranoid schizophrenic. Her mother had turned to drugs to, to control that. Her dad was a pastor. You know, they were divorced by the, by the age of three. And then my wife's mother uh, was, was thrown in front of a, a truck by her pimp at, when my wife was 14. And I can't imagine what that must have been like for a little girl, not only to see her mother walk through all that stuff, you know, she relates a story of being in an elementary school uh, classroom and watching this homeless woman walk by pushing a cart and she looks out and it's her mom. And, and I can't imagine what that must have been like for her. 
And so her eating disorder started at 14. And so you, you, <laughs> we meet at church <laughs> and, um, but all this brokenness is still there, Josh, you know, all this brokenness is still there. And, and, and we didn't hit it off right away. It's funny. Cause she, I remember later she told me she wanted to meet a bad boy and she didn't think I'd fit the, the bill. And little did she know everything I had walked through in my life. Um, so to, to fast forward a little bit, yeah, we, you know, six months later, we ended up dating. Um, that courtship was six months. We ended up getting married a year later. You know, my wife is an amazing and then, Christian. And then happy ever after, right? You get married and then happily ever <laughs> after. Is that how it works? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, you know, my wife comes from, my wife gave her, gave her life to the Lord at six. Yeah. I mean, like all she's ever wanted to do is be a wife and a mother. Yeah. And so she, she walks into this, you know, fairy tale. She saves herself for marriage. You know, I have this incredibly sordid background and past, you know, I mean, a lot of sexual dysfunction, multiple partners. I mean, just this crazy life. And then God brings us together. And, and we had no idea how to make that work. None whatsoever. And I, I got to tell you, man, the first six years of that marriage was just filled with um, with just anger and strife and, you know, violence and some of it got physical and, you know, just, you know, I mean, it was horrible. And I remember just thinking, you know, what are we doing? Why am I even married to this person? This is horrible. And, you know, of course, you know, she, you know, her being a good Christian girl, this is the furthest, furthest thing that she can imagine from the fairy tale that she thought her, her marriage would be. And, and we ended up, you know, she, she came home one night. I, I remember going to her, her parents' house. We drove down to her parents' house. We we're living in Sacramento at the time. Drive down to her parents' house. Remember her dad's a pastor. We drive down and all we did was fight the entire drive down. We fought at their house. I remember even saying in front of their fa her family, I don't even care what you guys think anymore. This is, you, you, I'm done and, and just blowing up. And her dad told us as we left, you know, it was a Christmas trip. Um, unless you guys get your crap together, you're not welcome back here. Oh, wow. Merry and Christmas. Holy moly. Yeah. Yeah. Christmas. <laughs> yeah. And we fought the rest of the way home, six and a half hour drive. I mean, horrible. Jeez. We're calling friends, you know, friends that are, are Christian friends that are trying to counsel us through this. And they're like throwing their hands up. We're, we're done. You know, we can't, we can't help you anymore. We, you know, we tried everything, Josh. We, we did biblical counseling. We did, um, secular counseling. We did the weekends to remember. We did all that stuff that they tell you. We read every book. We just couldn't figure out how to let, you know, how to let the, how to let Jesus lead our marriage. Um, you know, and I remember one of our pastors saying to me, well, you know, you got to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And I'm looking at him going, what, what do you even mean? <laughs> yeah, what's that mean? <laughs> you know, and and we ended up, we ended up separated for 18 months. We got home and she's like, I can't do this anymore. And I'm like, good, I can't either. And she's like, I'm going to live with my brother. And I'm like, okay, great. And, and she took off and about 30 days later, she came back and, and she's like, okay, I'm ready to work on things. I'm like, uh, no, we're done. And I'm like, if you're coming back, I'm leaving. And she came back and I left and I found another, I found a guy at the gym where I was working out at and. Uh, he was separated. So I, I ended up living with him for a little bit until I, you know, get my own apartment. And then I took a job offer and moved back to Southern California. And I remember telling her, don't follow me, 
don't come down here. I don't love you anymore. I don't want to be with you. When I get down there, I'm going to file for divorce. And so I, I moved back down to Southern California. And, and, you know, it's funny the things that, that God uses in our lives to, to, to keep us present and to keep us connected to others, because we had these two little pubs that we absolutely loved. And I took them with me. And sure enough, 30 days later, she follows me down. <laughs> and, you know, and she, you know, she make, she's making a run of it, finds a job, has an apartment. And, you know, God's using those pugs to keep each other, keep us in each other's lives. You know, I, I, I felt bad keeping them from her. Yeah. So I would, you know, I'd let her have them for the weekend. Or if I had to travel for work, she'd keep them for the week. And, and every time we'd get back together, you know, she, you know, she would be sweet and she would be loving. And, and, and what I didn't know through all this, through this process was that she had begun standing for our marriage and uh, she had hooked up with uh, a marriage restoration ministry uh, down in Florida in your area. And, um, and she just said, you know what, God, I'm going to hold you to your promises. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hold you to the fact that you made a covenant with us and, and I'm not leaving. You're not leaving. We got to get him back in here. And she just began to pray, you know, she lived in an apartment without a bed. She said, she said she wasn't going to put a bed in the apartment and until her marriage bed was back in the apartment, wow. you know, just like, just like the movie war room. She had a prayer closet in her house and she would literally walk around in circles around the bedroom at night, praying for our marriage and standing for our marriage. And little by little, God began to work on, on my heart. And, you know, it's funny because in that process, in one week, my wife's uh, best friend from high school killed herself. She was an addict and, and killed herself, shot herself in the chest and left behind two small children. Oh. She was, my wife was laid off that week and I served her divorce papers all in the same week. And, you know, and, and with, with all of that, she just, she just refused uh, to, to, to let the marriage fall apart. I mean, she just held God to his promise for our marriage, you know, and it's interesting, you know, we look at, we look at Genesis one and we look at the marriage relationship and we look at this creation and, and God, God says, you know, that, you know, I made the man and woman and that, you know, I'll bring them together as one flesh. And I, and what people don't realize is that that's God's talking in, in, in the garden about a brand new creation. You know, there's man and there's woman and there's married couple. There's married, there, there's a marriage creation. Um, you know, the Hebrew, Hebrew words, I believe, mean one and only one creation. And so, you know, he's saying, hey, I, you know, I've made this brand new creation. He's not willing to let it go. And I know that now. He's not willing to let, to let that, that perish for anything. And there's a reason why Malachi, God says he hates divorce, that it, co it covers our, our garments in violence. You know, when you think about it, think about the impact that divorce has in our families, in our communities. It does cover our, our clothes in violence. You know, it destroys children. Children from an adore, a divorced family are 50% more likely to commit suicide, to use drugs, to have sex at an early age, um, to have sex out of wedlock. I mean, all these different things. And, and yet this is what we're exposing our children to. I think even the church has gotten passive about divorce. You know, it's, they'll come alongside people and they'll shepherd people, but they're not telling people, Hey, listen, this is not okay. It's not biblical. Um, you know, we, 
and, and through this whole process, my wife and I, you know, we end up, we end up restored and, and really we, we end up restored only through um, divine intervention and, and, and the power of intercessory prayer and the power of one spouse just saying, no way, I, I'm not going to stand for this. Um, and God just continued to work on my heart. And I woke up one morning, Josh, and I just, something came over me and I just said, you know, I, I need to call my wife. And I had begun dating at that time. I'd already served her divorce papers. And I said, Hey, can we, can we talk? And I, and I drove her over to her apartment and I stood in her apartment. And I looked at her and I said, you know what? I'm done. I, I'm ready to come home. And, you know, after 18 months, she just looked at me and she's like, I've been waiting for you. And, you know, she had everything, you know, she had the closet cleared out. She had everything ready to go. And, and I'll tell you, I still had some anger and some resentment towards God and, and towards the, not God really, but towards the church. Yeah. I felt like they kind of just abandoned us yeah. when, you know, when we were in that need. And then I just didn't feel comfortable going to a, going back to church. And so my, my wife was going to our local church, the one that stood by her and prayed with her. And it took me about three months to go back. Was there a bunch of like shame or guilt in there or embarrassment or why? I think I felt all of that. I think I felt shame, guilt, embarrassment, anger. Um, I felt like, you know, I felt like there was no, you know, like biblical guy. <laughs> there wasn't a man, you know, a biblical man to come alongside me and say, man, hey, you know, I love you. I, I don't agree with what you're doing. Um, I don't agree with divorce, but let's talk about this. Let's, let's, you know, let's walk, let's walk, walk alongside each other and, and, and talk about this and, and let's talk about how we can, we can keep, you know, moving forward and kind of getting me back involved. And, and I think just, I saw her and I saw her getting involved and going every Saturday or every Sunday. And, and I just started feeling, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go give it a try. And, and and it's amazing what God does when we're just obedient because I showed up and, and I really liked the message. And, um, you know, a few weeks later they did, they did a week of prayer and fasting. And I had never done that in my life. Uh, I had never been involved in, you know, long enough in a church to do a week of prayer and fasting. And, and so I did that for the first time. And at the, at the end of that week of prayer and fasting, we, we broke the fast on a Saturday. And I'm thinking, you know, God, you haven't shown me anything all week. Like, what's going on? You know, what was this for? I, I, don't, I don't understand. And he still didn't show me anything that night. And I get back, I, we go to church the next morning. And, and the message is about we're all called to ministry in some way. You got to find your calling, whatever that is. And all of a sudden it felt like the Holy spirit just took over me and I just started writing things down. Yeah. I mean, it was, it just was nonstop. And I started writing down, first of all, God told me, and it's funny, I, I forgot to mention this. I came home and uh, I told my wife, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm back, you know, we can, we can work on this, but I don't want to have children. And I know you want to have children. So if that's a deal breaker, you know, this isn't going to work. And she's like, no, you know, I just, I, I just want my husband back. And she said she went in the bathroom after that conversation and, and just cried out to God and said, you know, what are you doing, Lord? You know, you know, I want to be a mother, you know, but if this is your will, you know, then, then okay. So through this process, you know, as I'm writing everything down at the end of this week in prayer and fasting, the Lord's like, start a family. I'm like, what? what? Yeah. And, uh, and then he said, create a marriage restoration ministry. Because what we found out there was there, there was a gap 
Um, there was a gap in everything that was going on. There are plenty of organizations that are going to give you counseling. There's biblical counseling, pastoral counseling. There are there's secular counselors. There's all kinds of programs out there. But we didn't have anybody to walk alongside us biblically and tell us what a biblical marriage looked like or show us what a biblical marriage looked like and how to walk that out. We didn't have anybody to come alongside us and show us what what it meant to pray for your spouse, to pray for your marriage, to be the spiritual leader of your home as a man. Um, I had no idea what that looked like. And, and, and so I, I'm writing all these things down about a marriage restoration ministry. And that like two weeks later, someone from the Bible college says, Hey, you should come and check it out here. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, let me, let me start the process. And you know, of course I need three recommendations. Well, none of my old pastors would give me a recommendation because they know what we walked through, you right. know? And, uh, and so I, I turned in one recommendation that's from my wife's father, the, you know, the, the former pastor. And, and the guy, you know, the, the guy who's running the Bible college just looks at me and goes, Hey, you know, you know, I know that, you know, Craig, that you're involved here at the church and, you know, I'm going to go ahead and fast track your application. Wow. So, <laughs> so I just start taking Bible classes and then this, uh, this husband's discipleship group starts up. And I told my wife, I said, Hey, you know, I want to do this class, and, you know, and for three and a half years, you know, previous to that, as she had been involved in this church, you know, I, three and a half, two, two and a half years, she had been praying that I would come and uh, I'd be a part of this class. Wow. And, and so I showed up on Monday night and, and, uh, and just started to learn what it meant to be, uh, you know, a spiritual leader in my home and, and, and what it meant to, what it meant to love my wife as Christ loved the church. Um, and I got to tell you, man, I, I fall down all the time. I mean, the last few weeks have been a real struggle. I mean, through the whole coronavirus thing, it's been, it, it's been a struggle for us. I mean, we've had a lot of times of angst and fighting um, through that process. You know, through this process of restoration, we had a son. Um, <laughs> yeah. I got to tell you this, man. It's it's really cool. You know, I told you God said he's a cute family. kid too. He's he is, man, <laughs> and he's so funny. He's just he's absolutely hilarious, and he's you know he's just always smiling and laughing. Like he he puts his hands up during worship music and like dances to the worship music, and like he's just filled with the spirit. And you know, God told us to start a family. And then October of that year, Mary's in her, my wife, Mary is in the car and she's praying and God gives her uh, second Kings four sixteen. this time next year, I'll bring you a son. Wow. And 13 months later, we found out we were pregnant with Jacob and, and, and that's why we named him Jacob. The Lord gave us that too. It's just the restoration of God's people to himself. Um, and, and we just felt like it was so critical that it just, there was no other name for him because we had been restored to God through this process. Okay. So if you were to boil down what restoration looks like, right? So you mentioned marriage restoration, restoration of, you know, my people through Jacob and, and, and things. But if you have to boil down, what does restoration, you know, mean and, and why, why are you so focused on? you know, building this for marriage restoration? Yeah, a couple of things. Number one, what does it look like? It looks like forgiveness. And, and I think it's so hard for us to do that. Um, I know it's hard for me to forgive my wife for things. And sometimes I hold things against my wife that have been done to me in the past 
Um, so number one, I think it's forgiveness. We've got to, we've got to figure out and, and learn how to forgive, truly forgive. Um, but, you know, restoration, I, I think it first takes place with, with oneself. Um, I had to, I had to, I had to get through that shame and the guilt and the, and everything of, you know, cause during this process, I told you I started dating again. And so I, I started sleeping with other women again. Um, you know, and that's, that's something that my wife knows. I mean, she knows everything that's happened in that process. And I, I, I opened up to her about, about everything, but I had to forgive myself or I had to allow, you know, myself to be forgiven um, because that was the hardest part. And I think that restoration can't happen without, without forgiveness. Um, and, and it's prayer. Restoration can't happen without prayer. And so what my wife and I have been doing is, is, you know, we're just trying to disciple couples. We're trying to fill that gap that we noticed, um, you know, where there was a space of, of couples that really need to disciple other couples. I think it needs to happen in the church on a regular basis. I think you need to have couples that, that have walked through the fire that are willing to come alongside other couples and do a date night and, and talk about what's going on in life. And, and for the, you know, the men to get together independently and the women to get together independently and the couples to get together corporately and pray for one another, pray for their marriages, pray for their children, pray for their church, because the, the backbone and foundation of, of any solid church is solid married couples. You know, if you're looking at a congregation, you got to have solid married couples or couples that are willing to, to, to bear all, open up and talk about their struggles and offer solution and how they walk through it. So not, not all the guys who listen in on this show are believers, right? You know, like I openly say, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian and this is what I believe. But like some, there's some guys in the audience that, that don't believe yeah. and, you know, they're, they're trying to restore their marriage, right? They, or they're separated or they're, you know, maybe they're at the point where uh, they're drowning their demons, or maybe they have a gun in their mouth, or maybe they've gone through separation, or maybe they've been through any of the milestones, or they're at any of the milestones that you kind of walk through. Um, But for for the guys out there who maybe don't have that belief system, can you give some advice to them? What's your advice to those guys? Those guys, you know, I, I know, I know it, you know, if you're not a believer, you know, I go back to, you know, I have to go back to God hates divorce. And, and I say this because, you know, you look at, you look at the divorces out there. There's a reason why the, the divorce rate for second marriages is even higher than the divorce rate for first marriages. Um, it doesn't get any better. And you, at some point you have to stop chasing what you think is going to make you happy and realize that the only, the only way you're going to find happiness is, is from within. You know, you've got to allow something greater than your own ego and your own self desire to satisfy yourself, fill the emptiness in your heart. Um, uh, you know, I love what A.W. Tozer says about this. And it's funny, it kind of it clicked with me as an alcoholic before I was even saved. And Tozer talks about this emptiness in the seat of our soul. You know, like that's where God's supposed to live. And, and, and. And so we try to fill it as men with money and sex and power and sports and everything else. We try to fill it, but yet we, we end up with this emptiness. And, and so for the guys that are struggling through, you know, um, just a, a tough marriage right now, number one, I would say step up and be a leader. Women, women are looking, it's the nature of men and women. Women are looking for strong leaders. 
And unfortunately, they're not finding it anywhere. Why do you think there's a Me Too movement, Josh? There's a Me Too movement because good men, Christian and non-Christian, men of character, men of integrity, have failed to step in the gap. And so you got these guys in Hollywood and you got these other guys that will step in and they'll fill the gap. And our daughters and our wives and our sisters will cling to these men because they're looking for some kind of leadership. Yeah, wow. And so I say, I say to them, step up, be a leader, be a man, be a father, be a husband. It's not for the faint of heart. No. You can't be weak and, 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 be, a, and, and be a strong husband. I mean, it, it takes weakness to walk out of a marriage, to walk out of, on your family. Um, and I would say, get on your knees. I, you don't have to pray to the God I pray to, but get on your knees and ask the God of the universe, ask the universe to show you how to, how to be a leader in your home, how to step up and build your wife up to support her, to, to show her that she's every bit of, she's every bit as valuable in this world. In fact, more valuable than anything else in your life. Yeah. So you, you made a, you made a point, right? Men need to step up, not step out. There was a time when you did step out, yeah. but you had to come back. And then you said it was a process because I had to do some discovery and we had to work through things, forgiveness and such. But there was, there was a long period of time where it took you to step up, right? Stepping out is a quick thing, right? Yeah. Quick thing. And uh, it feels easy. Stepping up. Talk to us about the stepping up in that. Like, what was the what was your process for that? What what did you have to overcome internally uh, for that process? Yeah, I, I, number one, I realized pretty quickly that the grass is not greener. Um, you know, man, I'm I, I'm I'm now in my late forties. I'm open to admit that, and and it doesn't matter. It, what woman I find out there, she's going to have her own baggage, you know? And, and I, had, I started looking around going, wow, you know, this is actually worse than what I left. Yeah. Um, and, and I think part of that too, is just, I had to, I had to find my, I had to find myself too. You know, what stepping up looked like for me was um, crushing my ego, realizing that I had made a mistake, um, that I had left my wife. Um, that I had walked out, that I had followed in the footsteps of, of you know, my parents um, and so many others that I had seen. And I took the easy way out. And I had to, I had to step on that and I had to come back and I had to say, I, I want to come home. Hmm. And, then, and, and then at that process, once, you know, and I had no idea what she was going to say at that point. I really didn't, you know, and and so she, you know, she accepted me back home and said she was waiting for me. And then I had to go through the process of kind of rediscovering my faith and, um, and what that looked like and, and getting over the shame and the guilt and, and the hurt and all of that. And that's still a process, Josh, that we are what, three and a half years later that I'm still walking through. You know, there are some, still some things that I, I still struggle with, um, some forgiveness issues, some things I hold against her that I, I just need to let go of. And it's, and it's, it's tough, you know, through this process. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. It is. So it is so tough to forgive and let go of things. Oh. I've been married 11 years 
And there's still things that in my head, even before marriage, even before being together, like I have a hard time getting out of my head. My mind just plays this record player of all the bad things she did or whatever, you know, like, come on, man. Like I did 10 times worse with 10 times more girl, you know, like I know maybe, but there's that record player. And I think it's because I'm a, I think I'm a jealous man and it is tough for me to forgive and let it go. Right. Just as you know, I've been forgiven and she's forgiven me for a hundred times worse. Right. What advice do you have for me? How, what is a process? What could I do to erase some of those things from my memory to move on, man? It's been so long, Josh, get over it. What advice do you have for me, man? Man, if I had the answer to that, (laughs) (laughs) my answer, you know, I'd probably be a best-selling author, but, um, you know, I, for me, I, I gotta, I gotta take it to God every day. And yeah. there are times where, you know, what I've learned, you know, what I've, what's really helped me over the last, uh, the last couple of years, and even in the last year, even more so, um, especially having, you know, a child in the house now is, um, I'll have to take a moment and just say, you know what, I'm going to go take a walk and I need to go, I'll go outside. I'll take a walk around the block. I'll play through those things in my head. Um, and realize that I'm just being an idiot, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and I'm making a bigger deal out of things than they need to be, or I'll realize, man, this is, this is coming from issues with my mom or, you know, cause I still struggle every, every day with, you know, am I good enough? You know, that imposter syndrome and, um, you know, are people going to find out that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not this strong, uh, intelligent, capable man they're gonna you know they're gonna find out that i'm i'm just the opposite and i have to i have to walk through that and talk through that and and i do that kind of in a in a in a walking talking prayer um and just getting that out out loud uh the other thing for me too is i I find that when i'm physically active i tend to not harbor that stuff as much so i gotta find something to pour myself into for a while it's jujitsu and i love that yeah um but you know, the place that I was at was closed down. So now I'm looking at a couple other places. Um, you know, I, I got to find something that physically that will wear me out. I, I find that's a great point. I find when I am not physically worn out, my brain has the ability to just run when I'm physically worn out. So I can, here's where I get attacked right before bed. Kids are in mm-hmm. bed, wife's in bed. It's my time to lay down, finally get some sleep. Nope. My brain's running. Bad things, good things, just things. Yeah. And then at like, it's almost like clockwork, like 4.30 in the morning, clockwork, boom, I wake up, my brain's racing, good, bad, the ugly. And uh, when I am physically exhausted, when I'm cutting down trees or when I'm, you know, shooting the bow in the backyard and doing work and messing with the yard and breaking the earth and expending my energy, I find that those things don't happen as much. But when I'm drinking too much, eating too much junk food, when I'm not taking care of my body man. yeah holy moly my brain could race um man so so i we're, we're running out of time yeah i i've got two more questions to ask you sure all right so let's make the first one just kind of like an, an easy one is you know like as you're building your, your 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 marriage restoration you know 
um, mission or ministry, you know, whatever direction you guys are, are heading with that, where can, where could guys go who go like, Hey man, I'm struggling big time in my marriage. And I could use someone who's real, not some guy who's just going to be like, Hey, here's a book and good luck. Just like your friends did. Right. Like they said, yeah. sorry, just like the pastors go, sorry, we can't help you. Counselors are like, sorry, we can't help you. Cause you kind of tried everything. So for guys out there who go, listen, JT, uh, we need someone to walk alongside us through restoration. Where could people, where could guys go to learn more about that? Because I think that there's guys who are going, man, nobody will help us. Yeah. So I want to make this clear right off the, right off the bat. Number one is if a woman reaches out to us, my wife reaches back. If a man reaches out to us, I reach back. If a couple reaches out to us, we both reach back. Yeah. Um, we try to keep it separated like that. Cause I think we, we understand each other. Um, genders, we understand each other a little bit, you know, a little bit more intuitively. So the best way is, you know, we're on Instagram at the 1009 effect. So it's uh, T-H-E, uh, capital T-E-N, zero nine effect, E-F-F-E-C-T. Um, we also have a Facebook page, the 1009 effect, or you can reach us at the 1009 effect at gmail.com and just send an email, send a message, put a message on. Um, I, I, I check those things, you know, with regularity, uh, especially the email, because I, I don't want people to have to suffer like, like we did. Um, there's no need for that. We can come alongside and, and hopefully just, you know, offer some, some solutions. Awesome. All right. We'll put that in the show notes. So as you guys are listening in and you're like, man, I'd really like to connect and ask some questions. Like, how did you overcome you know, being abused or being, you know, being, you know, violent against and being, you know, being tempted with violence and then, and then being an alcoholic and then putting the gun in your, like all the things that you've worked through and are working through, right? Um, sometimes we don't have all the answers, but we've at least been there and we could have another guy go, Hey man, at least I've been there. Um, yeah. So for the guys out there who, who are maybe there or about to be there, um, you know, JT's information will be in the show notes. So reach out. Um, specifically if you're looking for, you know, restoration in, in your marriage, that's their passion. Um, JT, last question. All right. Yeah. So your boy's less than two years old, right? Yeah. All right. So fast forward. <laughs> okay. He's uh, about to get married and, and you, uh, you guys are hanging out fishing on the dock and you turn to him and you give him one piece of advice about walking into marriage. That's your boy. That's your little boy, Jacob, who's now yeah. going to be a man about to marry and you got one piece of advice for that guy. What is it? <laughs> One's tough, man. One. Uh, one, bro. One. I would I would tell him to love her with everything he's got. Um and and I still don't do that well. And you know, it's 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 all in the in the long run, it's all about love. Love does truly conquer all. And, and we fall out of love, Josh. I mean, we just do. That's just human nature. Um, you know, we fall into like in long-term relationships and marriages. And we have to rediscover what that means to love again. And, and so that's what I would tell him is, is just love her more than anything else in your life, more than your kids, more than your job, more than anything else in your life. And sometimes that means doing things that you don't want to do. Sometimes that means instead of watching the game on, on Saturday afternoon, you go to the mall with her because she wants whoa, to meet Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes it means, you know, putting everything aside for that date night on Friday nights. Yeah. Sometimes it means 
telling her she's beautiful when, when, man, honestly, you feel hatred in your heart towards her. Mm. Um, that would be my one piece of advice. Love her more than anything else in your life. Mm, that's good. Guys, I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope this challenged you. I hope in a lot of this, I, you know, I, I can't see you guys cause it's a podcast, but I know there's guys out there nodding their head and going, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've been there. Um, I am there. I hope not to get there. And uh, one thing that we can all share together is this uh, reaching out to each other and, and encouraging each other and, and going, Hey JT, man, like, thank you. I, I need some help. Right. Or Hey JT, thank you. Like for your message that encouraged me, like, you know, let's, let's, let's reach out and, and lift and support each other. Right. That's the pure, purest thing that we could do and, and most helpful thing that we could do to uh, each other. All right. So guys, let's, let's, let's do that for each other. Reach out to our guests and say, thank you. As always, if you need advice, or if you have some advice to give, head on over to uncensored advice for men, the show's uncensored, explicit talking about things ranging from God to belief systems, to uh, things that happen in the bedroom, right? So this is a place where you guys could share it and learn and we could learn together. Guys, I hope you're having a great day. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.